comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Mr. Stark. Yeah? Agent Coulson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy from the uh, Strategic Homeland the... Intervention right, Enforcement yeah. Logistics Division. God, you need a new name for that. Yeah, I hear that a lot. That's being handled. That's what we do. Just call us sheep. Second time, hopefully, is a charm, Russell. I really hope so. Yeah. Uh, We're a little late. We lost a member in the process, but we're here with Episode 7 of the S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. We're here to talk about The Hub, which was pretty great. I'll come out and say right now and ruin all of the buildup that this podcast might have. Uh, This is John. As I mentioned, Russell is here. And hey. uh, we, hey, sorry, yes, um, we did lose Brad. He was here when we tried to record on Wednesday night, but uh, the tech stars were not aligned. We refer to that in the technology world as a complete clusterfuck. So yes, and anyway, first I think we we want to talk about some news, and then we'll get right to it. Uh, more on the Netflix front, which is kind of exciting. Yeah, it's it's. I was surprised that we got as much information as we did. I mean, we luckily, like we said last time, we recorded a day later than normal, and to our surprise, we got uh, an awesome Netflix announcement that knocked us kind of on our butts. And uh, so this week, we we're able to get some a little more information. And the first of it is, it, it appears that the Daredevil TV show is going to be show run or show ran. The showrunner is. I, I believe it's show runded. Show runded. Yes. Perfect. By Drew Goddard. And he was co-writer of Cabin in the Woods. He directed co uh, Cabin in the Woods, the Joss Whedon co-written movie as well. I, I don't know if you... if I know, John, you've seen Cabin in the Woods. I've seen Cabin in the Woods. Uh, we we talked about it last year on uh, LOD, I'm sure. And, and everybody, all of us that saw it, were pretty happy with it. I think it, it even made it into the... Uh, as a finalist in our duty awards, so uh, it was it was kind of one of those surprise hits, I think, for all of us. Yeah, definitely, totally a surprise hit. Um, I was not up on, you know what, when that movie was being promoted, I don't know if they were trying to keep it a secret, and we certainly don't want to give away too much for anybody that has, you know, possibly not seen Cabin in the Woods. Um, so I think I thought it was going to be like run of the mill horror movie which is exactly what they want you to think so very cool and uh i was happy to see drew goddard's name attached to daredevil that's awesome yeah and it, it's kind of got that dark feel to it but yet that weed and sensibility so i think what's not known at the current time is how much involvement whedon is going to have in in these netflix shows i mean i guess maybe goddard being brought in is a little bit of an insight into the fact that he's going to oversee these as well but 
Whedon's contract runs out in 2015 with Marvel as it stands. Now, that doesn't mean that he won't re-up or they won't offer him some other deal to, to keep going. But I wonder if this is maybe going to be Jeff Loeb having a little more um, input as being in charge of Marvel television than, than Whedon. It's interesting because they do want to have that interconnectivity between the movies and the television. You know, how much Joss will stay involved is sort of an interesting thing to think about. I am really pulling for this whole universe, this this side universe, whatever you want to call it, to be set in the 70s, and it just be this gritty New York, uh, you know, pre-Giuliani era, era, blah, uh, you know, New York, Hell's Kitchen kind of thing going on, and that, like, the Defenders are a precursor to the Avengers. I just think that would be unbelievably awesome. Yeah, that would really be cool. Uh, you have mentioned that before. And um, we know that that was Joe Carnahan's pitch for a Daredevil movie. Right. Which is kind of interesting. Um, you know, that would be great if it was something that he, like, kind of worked on on the side to present that. And, and, and they went and did it. It just works. I mean, Power Man and Iron, F- and Iron Fist are just, you know, it, it says black exploitation. you know. Oh, yeah, man. Some, some kind, right. Um, you know, and then if you look at Iron Fist, even as like, if you did it almost like a Shaw Brothers type thing with the, with the martial arts, uh, that would be fantastic. Daredevil fits perfectly into like Grindhouse sort of era. And, um, you know, same thing goes to Jessica Jones. You know, if you think of her as like maybe a Foxy Brown type or something, um, sure. yeah. you know, that stuff could be a lot of fun. And speaking of Jessica Jones, we got news that um, the screener, uh, screenwriter of the Twilight movies, Melissa Rosenberg, is going to be the showrunner for the Jessica Jones series. And uh, she was also going to be involved, initially before we got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, ABC was going to, we had a lot of buzz about ABC trying to put together a series called A.K.A. Jessica Jones that was going to be, from what I understand, kind of like an alias type show, which is funny because the comic book uh, that Jessica Jones appeared in, written by Brian Michael Bendis, was called Alias. But it was kind of going to be that style of show, if I recall. She's she's kind of like this private detective that used to be a superhero that kind of hung it all up. So it was going to have some of those espionage, spy elements to it. Um, so we don't really know, again, with like with Daredevil, what this series is going to be about. But we do know that Melissa Rosenberg is going to be involved. So we got two pieces of the puzzle at this point. Uh, I guess it, right now there's two more missing, and that's the Power Man and the Iron Fist piece, and then I guess potentially the Defenders piece that this all winds up into. Um, so other than that, we don't have a whole lot more details other than, like we mentioned last week, this will all start in twenty sometime in 2015. We're, we're not sure when at this point. Yeah, and, and you know, this is the whole idea of, you know, these original series on... Netflix and and uh, Amazon and, and things like that. It's it's all kind of new, and but it's just great to hear a list names being attached to these projects. Yes, um, not that I thought Marvel and Disney certainly would skimp on anything, but you know having Drew Goddard directing, you know the first uh, original Marvel series on Netflix is just awesome. I mean, it just kind of like sets a bar, you know. It's they could have went no name, and it doesn't mean it wouldn't be good if they went no name. But they're sort of like 
making a statement to me like yeah we're treating this like the movies yeah yeah so hopefully the you know who knows what the budget numbers are and stuff like that but hopefully it plays like a movie in terms of effects and you know yeah and we know Netflix has a big old pile of cash that they're dedicating to this so uh, I, I have high hopes Totally sort of off topic. Maybe we'll even edit it out. But uh, I believe Netflix also just picked up The Killing, which they is did. the show that won't die. Yes. Um, I was really surprised with that um, because AMC, it was kind of like a co-finance deal for season three with Netflix. And the ratings weren't that great, although I think season three was a, was a step up from season two. Um, but I guess it's going to be a six-episode run, and then they're swearing that that's it. Like, this is just to give those characters closure. Um, and to and to move on. So Netflix is doing some. I I I like it for a lot of reasons. And I know we're getting a little off topic, but um, it I think it's really going to cause Amazon to up their game and some of these other uh, providers, maybe even like HBO, Showtime, Cinemax, to up their game because there's a lot more competition for this type of content than there used to be. Right, and Netflix sort of seems to have the golden touch right now with uh, House of Cards and. Uh... Orange is the New Black seem to have done really well. And, you know, Amazon kind of failed with the Zombieland. And uh, I don't know what else. I can't come up with anything that Amazon had that was original content. I um, guess that Alpha House is coming now. That's supposed to be really big buzz with uh, John Goodman. So we'll see how that pans out. Right. And who had the werewolf one? That's Netflix as well. Hemlock Grove, which oh. I've had a real hard time getting into. Interesting. Well, maybe we should talk about the S.H.I.E.L.D. television show now. Probably a good idea. Yeah. The Hub. Uh, we got to see Victoria Hand, who we spoke a little bit about last episode. I think we might have done it after our little spoiler warning so that nobody would know that it was coming that didn't want to. But um, Brad mentioned in the failed recording of this episode that uh, she seemed to be right off the comic book page, which I totally agree with. Yeah, the the red streaks in the hair and just the, the just general look and attitude and everything. I was pretty pleased with her character. Yeah, it see. I wonder how much we'll see of her. Um, I don't recall if it was said in the casting note if if she was on for the rest of the season or if there was a number of episodes or if it even could be a one shot deal. Yeah, I, I I'm not clear because I know one thing I read made it seem like she was going to become a regular on the show. And then, you know, something based on her appearance in the show, it didn't seem like uh, she was going to be a regular, you know, weekly or, or you know, that, that she was going to be a frequently recurring character, I should say. Right. And in our post, uh, you know, after our spoiler warning at the end of the episode, I, I will mention something about Victoria Hand that could eventually be a spoiler, something down the line, just uh, something from her storyline in the comics that... I find interesting that they decided to bring her character in, but uh, we won't we won't talk about it now. Cool. Uh, do we want to do ratings? Yeah, not good. No, it it. Well, I shouldn't say not good. A little not gaining. Right. Right. It's definitely down, and it's kind of been a steady decline. So the series was a two point two in the demo. Uh, which is a, a six share in the eighteen to forty nine demographic, and so it's 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 not too bad off of 
the 2.9 in the demo that NCIS gets, which is you know kind of the most watched show on the most watched scripted show, I should say, on on network television. So given that it's kind of head to head against the number one show and it's it's holding its own. And when you compare it to a lot of other shows, even high rated shows on CW that get like a point seven or a one point one, you know, it's doing pretty well. I, I just think that maybe people thought it would gain instead of decline. But that's that's just not been the case. Yeah, I, I think it also partly suffers from Walking Dead expectations. Yeah. You know, just the fact, not that it has anything to do with zombies, it's not horror, etc. But, you know, comic book property, extremely popular, um, put on a regular TV series. And I think we all were hoping, not that it would do close to Walking Dead numbers, but just be that kind of a splash, you know? Yeah. Maybe they should cast Norman Reedus for a guest appearance. Oh, bite your tongue. <laughs> I'll um, take Rooker. Hey, Rooker's attached to uh, Marvel properties yeah, now. Guardians, right? Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I, I'll digress just a just a hair here. I don't want to. I know we're we're kind of stretching this out a little bit, but um, I think that this show and Marvel really had a missed opportunity over the weekend because uh, I went and saw Thor: The Dark World. Um, if you, if you listen to the Real Heroes podcast, we'll have a review episode up on that from a bunch of us if you want to hear what we thought about Thor The Dark World. But if they would have put a trailer in front of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in front of Thor, especially knowing that there's a continuation or a tie between the show next week and the movie, I think that it could have had a huge bump in the ratings. And I know TV and movies are, are you know two different mediums, but I just think they did themselves a disservice by not having an attached trailer to their own property especially now that they're it's all in-house i mean disney is now distributing and producing and running all of these marvel marvel movies now yeah i think it's a big i think it could be a big pull with kids that way you know you get that yeah you get your little guy in thor and he's all fired up and he's got a little plastic hammer and he's all (laughs) he's all thored out and you go hey you know look at that you can continue the story by watching this television show or whatever yeah you know i think that you're right i think that would have been a great draw we got a new logo and they they debuted it in thor the dark world and then it kind it it kind of uh bled over into uh agents of shield the new um, comic flip with the Marvel logo is now more three-dimensional and has the Marvel Studios banner on it now that they're kind of completely independent. So a little bit of a of a change to that to that opening splash. And I think that's the answer to our question that we, a few episodes back when we had Ken Morgan on, we were saying, what do we call this? The Marvel Movie Universe? The Marvel Media Universe? I think we call it the Marvel Studios Universe. Yeah, now that the TV show is involved, I, I think that's probably the best way to, to refer to it. So, I tweeted this next comment. It was agreed upon by both Russell and Brad. Uh, the first 10 minutes of this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was my favorite 10 minutes of the season. Yeah, it, it started off with a bang. It wasn't cheesy, It it had, but it still ma- managed to be funny and kind of uh, kind of clever at the same time. Uh, and it just, I think it just set you know this episode off on the right foot and from from that point forward I think it was just you know as as we'll talk about in ratings at the end I think it was just really solid yeah the hub when they when they finally get to the hub there uh it had a real men in black feeling for me yes and it was important I think to 
see a lot of other S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. You know, we've kind of been confined to that plane for a long period of time. Um, yeah, I mean, they get out of the plane, of course, but there aren't more agents, and it, we've never seen this kind of scope for how big S.H.I.E.L.D. actually is. Yeah, and it's funny because it's big, and, and we didn't see the outside of the facility either. It's not like we got some external shot of this big building or this underground bunker or whatever it is. I think they showed an overhead shot of the plane in the hangar, but we never actually saw the facility unless I blinked or ran out of the room real quick or something like that. Right. But the cool the cool thing is, uh, and, and comic nerds will catch on to this, and this may be a tie into Captain America the Winter Soldier, um, but when they were talking about the size of it and how impressed everybody was with it, uh, Simmons said, oh... Um, if you think, you know, basically something to the effect of, oh, if you think this is is big, you should see the Triskelion. And I was just like, uh, that was a that was a laugh out loud kind of a smile on my face moment uh, right there. Yes. Fitz, I, I very rarely like actually laugh out loud. Like every time I type LOL, I'm really just typing it. I'm not LOLing. <laughs> um, and I kind of like smile to myself usually. He actually had me laughing when he did the bit with trying to get the cart through the security door. Oh yeah, yeah. I I was actually giggling out loud. It was just it was the timing was really good. It was a funny bit. You know, I think he starts to like kind of curse or yell something right when it closes so you can't, you know, it gets muffled when the door closes. Yeah. And... I think it's his line is like what the hell? Like that's his yeah, he says yeah. that a lot. It's really funny because he's got that accent, and it's just like he's really loud about it, but it, it works. Yeah, and I liked I, – I guess we're jumping around, but that's what we do. Um, I, I liked the consequences of past episodes with Fitz. You know, he's still thinking about how um, Grant grabbed the parachute and jumped out of the plane instead of him to yeah. save Simmons. You know, there's – you know, they're referring back to old episodes, and uh, that's character building. You know, they're not just referring back to, like, things that blew up or villains that got away. You know, it, it's it's play between the characters, which is finally starting to come around. Yeah, no, I, t I totally agree. I, I, I think, and as we'll get into it more, there are a lot of things that had been irritating me on this show that didn't irritate me this week, and I think Sky is kind of front and center. I think her character, I'm, I'm really hoping her character is starting to turn a corner uh, and, and be less annoying and less irritating. Um, it kind of started that way a little bit in the beginning, but I think everything from kind of like the middle of the episode on for her character worked for me much more than probably any episode up until this point. Yeah. And they did, uh, they did a nice job this episode of including the overall story arc into the mission of the week. Yeah. Um, and we did. We got some more on uh, some movement on the Sky's parents sort of phenomenon. Um, she was able to pull her do her redacted document, which really didn't uh, help much. Yeah. Yeah, and it. Was, and then it's go ahead. No, it's kind of you know, and then in the end, Coulson was the one that you know kind of. I guess kind of saw that she was doing the right thing and looking out for the team and kind of coming into the fold. So he kind of pulled a few strings to, to you know, let her in on a little bit more, give her more information than she'd had. 
Right, but certainly still hold back a good portion of it. Yeah, w- uh. <laughs> yeah, and I was. It's funny because I was reading online that there were a lot of people griping about that. It's like, oh, he gives this whole speech about, you know, you you look out for the team and you sacrifice for the team and you don't keep secrets from the team, and then he keeps a secret from her. And I, I, part of this, I think, is the story trope of dragging things out to kind of keep up the suspense. But then I think the rest of it is there's still a bunch of stuff that Coulson doesn't know. There's stuff he does know that I think would be hurtful to her without maybe the full context of what's going on. So it, it, it didn't seem unnatural for me to me that he was withholding some information. Like that seemed pretty natural for Coulson to do, but yet still kind of gave her some hope that, hey, they're going to find out what happened to her. Yeah, and to me, I think, and maybe I'm giving the writing too much credit, but I think the struggle that Coulson is having is part of this struggle that he's having. (laughs) That's the worst sentence ever. But he's feeling different, and something has changed Coulson. And he's struggling between, do I do the right thing for these kids, my team, or protocol, protocol, protocol? Which is seems to be like the old Coulson. I'm level seven. You're sure. level eight. You don't need sure. to know, you know. And he's struggling with, but I'd really like to help this kid out because she's doing the right thing. Yeah, and we see that in May too. I think where she's very by the book, and I think she's starting to come around. Maybe because Coulson's coming around, but too because I think she's starting to feel a part of this team and feel a part of a group again. Which you know we still don't know what her story is. As to why she's, you know, such a loner and, you know, why she was sitting behind the desk and all that kind of stuff. But it seems like this this was an episode where I think we're starting to get the picture. Let me back up. We kind of started to see this a little bit in the Avengers movie where the motivations for S.H.I.E.L.D. and the higher-ups may contradict with the heroes. And we got a little bit more of that in this episode where... I, I call the heroes like Coulson's team is the quote hero team, but yet there's bigger things going on at shield that they don't act always in the best interest of everyone that they have their own agenda and the, and the greater good of shield as an organization. And sometimes that leaves people out in the cold. And so I think we're getting a, that little bit of conflict between the team and the organization. And I think we're going to see that play out too. I mean, we've seen the captain America, the winter soldier trailer, and we we're seeing a little bit of that in there too. So at least they're seeming to be consistent with this struggle between, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. as an organization and then people, that, you know, individuals within the organization. Right. And we also got uh, Maximilio Hernandez, Agent Sitwell. Yes. Who, um, you know, I wonder if enough people appreciate it that, you know, like, how, what's the percentage of people out there that are watching the shorts that are on the DVD sets and know him? Yeah, you know. it's funny because my wife had no... She watched the episode with me. She's kind of been off and on with it. She'll watch it if she's in the room, but, you know, and, and she's all in on the Avengers like that. She'll she'll. It's funny. She doesn't like superhero stuff, but she'll sit and watch the Avengers like five times in a row. Like, she just... I don't know what it is. That movie just hits her right with the comedy and the action and everything else. Um, and Sitwell was in the Avengers. He was in Thor. He was in a couple of the shorts. Um, but yeah, she made zero connection between <laughs> um, between him being in any of it. I, I kind of pointed it out to her, but I, I thought it was a nice touch just for people that pay attention, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. It's definitely a bone to throw, you know, the hardcore 
fans for sure. We got a cool Total Recall moment in the very beginning of the episode. Yes. Pulling that thing out of his nose. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, yeah. With the agent that was undercover in Russia. I, I kind of like that, that James Bond kind of cold open, right? Like, we don't know, you know, we don't, well, I mean, we find out, you know, he had information, but, like, it seems to be the tail end of something going on at the beginning of the episode, and then we see it just kind of play out, and then, you know, it, it either ties in or doesn't tie into the main episode. I, I just, I've, I'm a huge Bond fan, so that, that always kind of plays well with me. Um, but, but the bit with, you know, when, when the agent asks him, well, where are the dogs? And then Coulson says, don't be ridiculous. And then you see that they're getting reeled into the plane. I just, I, that, like I said, we talked about the open earlier, but that, that whole thing just, that whole sequence just worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought the, the whole show really worked. I mean, I, I liked the balance. I liked, uh. You know, there was comedy throughout with Fitz and the sandwich, too, that Simmons makes him oh, when yeah. he's going off on his mission. And, you know, th- that little, uh, that bar, you know, where he uh, shuts the lights off to sort of get in with them. Yeah, he, um, he yeah he sets off a mini EMP so he could turn around and fix it and be like right. a hero as the end. I, I thought that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, and he got to sort of... Uh, you know, it doesn't come naturally for Fitz, but he got to sort of puff his chest a couple of times and yeah. you know, tell Grant that he's not the only good agent in the group and, and stuff like that. Well, it was funny, too, when they did that sequence because it was after a commercial break. So they come back from the break, and Fitz is, like, hanging upside down and kind of yelling. And so it was kind of cool because they were kind of in a troubled spot before the break. So when you came back, you weren't sure, like, Oh, you know, do they have him tied up? Are they torturing him? And then it turns out, you know, they just want to watch the the. I guess it was the soccer game or whatever. And and uh, you know, he was just instrumental in trying to get that back for him. So I thought that that right. again, that clever use of the commercial break. I love the moment uh, when Coulson comes in to sort of get advice from May, and May is doing the Tai Chi. Yes, and doesn't say a word. Yes. And she's just kind of like making faces at him and giving him the eyes at different times and stuff. And the whole scene goes through with, without May saying a word. And uh, and Coulson walking out, you know, thanking her for yeah. her help or whatever. I really like the interaction between the two of them because he's almost... he's It's like he's almost afraid to talk to her. And she says very little usually, but yet he kind of gains a whole lot of knowledge out of what she says. Um and and I know there's been some criticism that May's character has been a little too tight-lipped, a little too uptight, not very um, not very open. And on the surface, this scene kind of um, enhances, you know, it, it kind of points that out. But again, it worked. Like, it made sense in that situation where she's trying to have this personal, you know, moment, this alone time, and here this guy comes to bug her about something because... You know, he's, he's, you know, something's bothering him and he can't work it out himself. So he has to work it through with her. So, I just, yeah, just, I like that a lot. Right. Did you get the, the feeling like in the, in the cold open when, you know, they throw Colson in the chair and, and the guys are speaking Russian and, and he's, you know, understanding what he says and they kind of, it, it reminded me a lot of the open from the Avengers with, uh, with ScarJo, you know, sure. Yeah. It just, you know, really dark, you know, you know, not well lit, you know, just kind of that that banter back and forth kind of uh, 
uh, a little bit of humor thrown in there, so a little bit of action. I, I just thought that was uh, – it just reminded me a lot of that. And Agent Hand, I think, also uh, referenced Romanoff and Barton, right? That was their little – Yeah, Barton Avengers and Romanoff. tie-in. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. they, they kind of made a point of the fact that they put these agents in. There was no – they were put in expecting an extraction, and there was no extraction plan because Sky kind of hacked in and found found that information – and Coulson makes a big deal to hand and says, you know, hey, they, they, you know, they weren't given an extraction. And, you know, she says, well, Barton and, and Romanoff n- are never guaranteed an extraction. And his counter to that was, well, they know that going in. Like, they were told, you know, whenever they go in somewhere crazy, they're told ahead of time, look, we're probably not going to get you back. So you're kind of on your own. And that wasn't the case with Fitz and, and Ward, especially with Fitz. Like, if it was just Ward, I don't think it would have been that big of a deal. But with Fitz being with them and not really being field trained, and um, I guess they're level five. I guess they're it, we're kind of kind of feeling out what levels of of shield access that these folks have. So, right. And what did you make of? There's a moment where Agent Hand and and Coulson are talking, and Coulson starts to say the old, "They sent me to Tahiti. It's a magical place." And he, and he either stutters or he he pauses or stutters or it was it a cough? I don't know, but there was something definitely going on. It, I took it as he caught himself. Like we've talked about this before on the show that when he says that, it seems to be almost an automatic response. Like when somebody mentions Tahiti, like the next thing that's said is it's a magical place, almost like it's a. a like subliminal, it's it's like a, a brainwashing thing where you know, right. Whenever you hear the word Tahiti, you will say it's a magical place, um, and it's almost like he's on to it now. Like he's getting, he's he's kind of realizing that there's a little bit of BS behind it, and like he started to say it, and then he kind of caught himself. Um, so I think that's starting to come to a head. The whole Coulson scene. Yeah, and of course in our uh, in our little added ending. Um, he's trying to gain more information about his time away. Um, and I guess he's told that uh, he's not high enough level to access that information. And only Director Fury can uh, can give that access. And he decides not to contact Director Fury. Yeah, yeah. For, to ask for permission. So he's desperately, I mean, you know, we uh, everyone knows that something happened to him to bring him back. Um and he's it's really starting to kind of eat at him now. What'd you think about the tech in this episode? There were there are a few cool things. The the mag pouch that had the camouflage effect. Um we had the screen, you know, that they popped up on the wall that allowed them to kind of see heat signatures through. Yeah. The magic window, I think he said yeah. Simmons calls it. Yeah. And then we got a little bit more with the night night gun. They they, they kind of talked about that. That that's I, I because of how much they've talked about that thing, I think at some point it's gonna have a pretty prominent role to play in this show. Yes, uh, I believe in theater they call it Chekhov's gun, right? Is that yes. the theory that uh, if you show a gun in Act 1, it's going to kill somebody in Act 3? Exactly. Something like that. You know, it's funny. I was thinking I'd like to go back now and look if it has been in every episode because that just seems to be like something that you could find. You know, like the Night Night Gun is in every episode. If you look, they might mention it, they might pick it up, or it might be on a table, you know, it might be in the background. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it. Maybe in the second episode it wasn't, because in the first episode it was like a rifle, and then 
they worked on kind of making it smaller and, and more compact. But I think maybe except for that second episode, I think it's it's popped up in every one. But the mag pouch thing was kind of cool, you know, when they kind of deployed it, and it it almost had that uh, that camouflage effect from the Avengers with the helicarrier, where it was just a bunch of little mirrors that um, that reflected back. Right. And then of course, yeah, it, that was cool. It was magnetic, so it picked them up. Um, I mean, it it was one of those things where it's like, okay, they were they were able to perfectly align themselves for a, a truck coming way down that didn't run them <laughs> over. But it was just right. so cool, it just worked. It was like, yeah, I get it. You know, you're just, you know, you got to suspend a little bit of disbelief. You can't you can't be a curmudgeon about everything. No, and it was also funny how they worked that bit into the. Uh into the magic window as as Fitz is sort of fiddling with it, trying to get it calibrated or whatever, and now he's looking in and, oh, there's somebody coming in and fighting them, and he realizes that it's it's Ward, uh, Ward who has already broken into the room and beat the crap out of the guys inside. Yeah, and... yeah that, that was one you kind of knew. It was really obvious that that's what was going on, but, again, it was, I think, um, Ian DeCastaker as Fitz, just I'm really liking him more. The more I see, like him and Simmons, the more I see of them, the more I like. I mean, she is just like you just want to like fold her up and put her in your pocket. I mean, she's just so cute, and yeah, and just Fitz is becoming just really funny. Just the the comic timing I think that that he has is just really excellent. And I'm almost wondering if they've gone back and maybe re-edited some of these shows, or maybe in the future we're going to re-edit because it seems like we're getting a lot more Fitz and Simmons, at least in the last few episodes than we had in the beginning. Like, they were kind of there, but in the background and almost like an annoyance. And now they're becoming a lot more prominent, and I think it's really, to me, it's really working. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely am enjoying their character building, and I'm much more interested in the two of them than in, let's say, Ward and Sky's possibility. You know, I do like what they've done with uh, Coulson and May, like you've said, but that's very recently. That's like yeah. the last you know episode or two. Whereas uh, they've, you know, they've been working on Fitz and Simmons for a while now, which is pretty cool. And is it me or is Chloe Bennett's hair getting longer? Like, was her hair like really long in this episode more so than the other? And that's a weird thing to point out, but I don't know. I was just watching. I was like, her hair seems like it's twice as long as it was last week. I don't know. Just something. I, I didn't notice, but I will definitely keep an eye on it from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the bit, yeah, with the, he, with the sandwich in the, in the tunnel was really funny that, and it's funny cause they made a point of saying it was like two very smelly types of cheese and then this bread yeah. with the, with the hint of the aioli. It was just like, okay. And the, and I started laughing because I'm like, okay, they're in this thing. They're trying to get away from these dogs who are sniffing them out. And he's going to whip out this, this sandwich that probably you could smell from like three miles away. And I was just waiting for Ward to, to say something. So it was really funny when he threw it away into the water. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he, I, I, I love that Fitz, he says, he says, oh, great. You just, you just uh, rescued us from the world's most dangerous sandwich or something like that. Or the world's, world's deadliest sandwich or something like that. Uh, I, just, I just got a kick out of that. Yeah, that works. I, I think that's where Ward, Ward works the best with... Uh, sort of a good cop bad cop deal yeah you know yeah you have to balance out his straightness you know yeah and it, and it works well with Fitz, definitely yeah you know i don't think i would watch a ward and melinda may spinoff no <laughs> no 
I don't think so. Not at least the, the way they're written now. And it, like I said, it's kind of you feel kind of bad because it's like you're not dinging the actors per se. Uh, it's just the way that they're being written at 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 the at the current current time. Right. I don't get the impression like I do with Mad Men that uh, January Jones is just a horrible actress. Um, and X-Men First Class kind of reinforced that. I, I don't get that with these folks. I think the writing just needs to be kind of tuned up a little bit to, to allow them to use their strengths. Right. The Scotty effect I thought was kind of funny when, when they go to deactivate this. You know, so the main premise behind the episode is Ward and Fitz, gotta, they have to get put behind enemy lines, so to speak, that there's this um, super weapon called the Overkill that will cause weapons to discharge. Or be rendered useless, you know, on a mass scale, and right. um, so when he's, you know, he pulls the cover, they pull the cover off the thing, and it's all all this crazy wires and and stuff hanging out of it. And he's like, oh, this is gonna take a while, and uh, and I think Ward tells him, you got five minutes, and uh, or no, you, you you've got ten minutes, and uh, I think Fitz responds and says, oh, I thought you were gonna tell me I had five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they they were they were good. I enjoyed all of the of the two of them in this episode. And you know, it's it's funny. I did like this episode the most of all of them so far, and it really didn't forward. It didn't move forward the big things. You know, there was no rising tide. Right. There was no. Uh, I guess that's it. I guess it's rising tide or or, or caterpillar. Caterpillar. Or, oh, yeah. Caterpillar. Is it centipede? Caterpillar? What is it? It's some kind of bug with a lot of legs. Yeah. I think it's... Is it Caterpillar? I think you might be right. I thought it was Centipede. Yeah, it probably is Centipede. Caterpillar is a dumb name for an evil organization. <laughs> but, uh, and you know, those are the ones I tend to like. I like to get back to the main story um, on my TV shows. But, you know, I, I, I like this one. I thought it was really good. I agree. Um, we have a couple of... You want me to hit up a couple of Facebook comments quick while we're... Yeah. Oh, well, one more thing I wanted to, to mention in, in the episode proper... Uh, that I thought was cool. I, I every time I see the plane, I always say, I l- literally out loud say, I love that plane. Like that plane is so badass. Just the look of it, the inside. Um, and when they showed up to to ex- to extract Ward and and Fitz, the fact that the that it, it actually has the VTOL, you know, where the wings flip and the and the engines go vertical, I, I was like, right. that's badass. Um, so that plane continues to impress me. <laughs> right. And I haven't crashed it or broken it in the last few episodes, but uh, yeah, I'm sure they will again soon. More than likely. <laughs> so we have a Facebook page. Uh, you can find it at uh, facebook.com slash shield TV podcast. You can uh, join in the fun, leave comments there that we can read on the show. Uh, Jimmy left one. Another good outing. I think that they are getting the hang of making this show. Looking forward to the Thor tie-in, which is next week, of course. Everybody's very excited. Uh, thanks, Jimmy. Mike says, I quite enjoyed last night's episode. Really felt like they're actually starting to hit their stride. I loved how they made it seem that Fitz had been on a mission like that before, but was still a bit green. Yeah, I, I, I agree about Fitz. I like that. I think I mentioned earlier that I felt like they were too bumbling. I think I said that like maybe in the first couple of episodes yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So this helped towards that. You know, like he has been on missions. He might be green. It might not be his thing, but he can, you know, he can handle himself, which they should all be able to handle themselves, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Besides maybe Sky, who's not really an agent. Well, it was funny because we got, like, with Simmons, 
she was kind of bumbling, but I think just in a socially awkward sense, like they just kind of made it seem natural that she doesn't do well in social situations or when she's trying to actively deceive. Um, So we got a little bit of that, like, um, um, you know, Cyrano de Bergerac thing with Sky and Simmons and Sitwell, um, where she ends up shooting him with the night night gun and knocking him out, which um, I I thought was kind of funny. Um, But it kind of worked. And I think that's when they could use Sky to her most effective her, that's where she's most effective, I think. Right. And our buddy Callum in Australia says, Hey, guys, got to say I love this episode. Probably my favorite episode of the season so far. Good story, good character moments, good action, witty dialogue, uh, and addressed some of the overall story of the show. So Callum definitely agrees with us. Uh, small nod to Romanov and Barton was subtle but appreciated. My only problem with this episode is the same as last week. Given that it is a one-hour TV show, whatever situation Fitz, or in last week's case Simmons, finds themselves in has to be neatly resolved by the end of the episode. He gives it five smelly sandwiches out of five. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Callum. Yeah, I mean, I guess it doesn't have to. I mean, they could do a two-part episode. <laughs> I mean, sure, yeah. But I, I get what he's... Uh, where he's at. I mean, I guess that's the deal with one hour action television shows, right? Besides like 24, you know, they're going to, yeah, they're going to wrap it up pretty quickly at the end. Yeah. Um, even fringe was like that to, to some degree, you know, that whatever crazy thing was going on seemed to get wrapped up in the last five minutes. And, um, you know, there's a lot of shows like that. I mean, even like, you know, Smallville, but a lot of procedural stuff tends to, to work that way too. So I, I can't really ding this show for that because it, it kind of follows, the the trend yeah i i think so it still has to be watchable tv in one hour slots you you know what i mean like you don't want to be lost in in literally and you don't want to be the television show lost you know you don't want to be one of those shows where if you miss an episode you're finished Uh, because nowadays People are not watching those shows live. Yeah. People are waiting for the sets and for Hulu and for Netflix and, you know, digesting entire seasons in a, in a, a couple of week period to ensure that they don't miss anything. Yeah, and I, I think that's where this can work to the show's advantage because, I mean, if you think about it, if, if you're into if you're starting season three of Lost and you're like, hey, I might check that show out you're not going to start watching it live. I mean, you'd be completely lost. And there's a lot of, no pun intended, but there's a lot of shows like that. Fringe, to some degree, um, Battlestar Galactica, you know, a lot of these genre shows that have these overarching stories. If if you come in at any point other than the very beginning, you're going to have a really hard time with it. And I think this is a show where you could kind of, you know, float in and float out if if that's what you want to do without feeling like you're just completely and hopelessly lost. Right. And did we, did we get an email, Russ? We did. Um, we did get, get an email. Uh, Thomas sent us an email. Uh, it's a little long, so we'll. I, but I think we can kind of take these point by point. Um, he says, Seems the writers have figured out less silly comedy and less sky equals a better episode. I really enjoyed this episode. I didn't mind Agent Ward. Him and Fitz had a great chemistry together. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing other episodes with them on missions. Maybe next time they can pull Melinda May and Simmons together on a mission. That could be interesting. Uh, it was good they continued... The Fitz and Simmons romantic tension. So we got. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sold that it's romantic yet. Me neither. 
I mean, they definitely, you know, care about each other and there's something going on, but I don't know that it will ever lead to romantic. Yeah, I don't. But I still enjoy their relationship. Yeah, yeah. We kind of got, I mean, like when they were kind of holding hands at the end of the episode or whatever, I didn't really get the feeling like they were going to kind of slink off together kind of thing. Um, no. Which which is fine. I, I'm totally I'm totally good with that. I, 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 I hate that cliche. It drives me nuts. So then, continuing on, uh, now if the hub is the headquarters of S.H.I.E.L.D., what does that make the helicarrier? A helicarrier is just kind of like what it is. I mean, it, it, the analogy is it's, it's like in the military, it's just an aircraft carrier. I mean, you have military bases, and then you have an aircraft carrier out in, in the sea. Helicarrier is the same same concept. I mean, it's just a floating command center that, you know, is used to, to transport troops and vehicles and planes and all that kind of good stuff. Crash in climactic scenes. Exactly. Um, I applaud the breadcrumbs the writers are giving us regarding Coulson's resurrection. Every episode, we are getting a little more, a little bit more piece of the puzzle. Hopefully, the writers will conclude this by the season one finale. It would be a mistake to carry the secret over multiple seasons. Uh, yeah, I think we've we've kind of agreed with that point uh, as well. I'm interested to see who knows what when it gets out. Yeah, I think. I mean, May said something. I think maybe, like, Fury and um, Maria Hill know everything. I think maybe May knows bits and pieces. Uh, and I think everybody else is, you know, like Ward and the rest of the team are fairly clueless as to as to what really happened. Right. Uh, Victoria, Hannah, Jasper, Sitwell are welcome additions to the show. If if there is a way Sky could be removed from the show and Victoria, Hannah, Jasper, Sitwell could take their place, I would enjoy Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. more. Uh, I have to take pause and begin negative because I have to discuss Sky. I still don't see the purpose of her character. Just because she can press a few buttons and surf the net doesn't make her a great hacker. Yes, she is pretty, but so are Melinda May and Simmons. The difference is Melinda May and Simmons have better personality, so I care about them. Sky could be killed off next episode, and I wouldn't shed a tear. Um, part of the reason Agent Seal has been so subpar has been due to Sky. The writers have been showing, shoving her down our throats since the pilot, and it hasn't helped the show. Why was she allowed in the hub? As Agent Hand said, Sky is tagged a non-agent. She should she should have stayed. Shouldn't she have stayed on the plane? In regards to the mystery behind her parents, I hope they end the storyline soon because I don't care about the answer. I understand I'm in the minority regarding my dislike with the character, but I just want to give my opinion. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. I, I agree with a lot of his um, Sky thoughts. The only thing that's more interesting to me, I guess, is now that. You know, now we know that Coulson and May know more about Sky's parents, and it's a big enough deal to not just tell her. Yeah, you know that's more interesting to me, and she than it's been, and she has some tie to Shield. Like the woman that dropped her off at this orphanage was maybe her mother, maybe she killed her mother. You know, we we you know we don't really know what the scoop is there. I thought for a fraction of a second. Um, because of the way May was looking at Coulson when he said, like they had the banter back and forth about if he was going to tell her, and before he showed the photo, I thought maybe that May was her mother and that she had to give her up. Right. But then when they showed the photos of the dead agent and stuff like that, I I, I, I think they were kind of veering a- away from that. But yeah, I, I, I really just wish they would figure out how to write her character better. And I, I, I think it's just a combination of the actress and the writing just aren't meshing together. 
Right. Um, you know, I know we kind of beat that to death, but I, I, th- I think she came around a little bit in this episode, like I mentioned. that She had some, some more moments that just didn't seem like it was silly, sing-songy kind of dialogue and, um, you know, really awkward stuff going on. So I, I'm hoping that, as, as with the episodes, you know, the last two have been trending up. I, I hope the trend continues. I think I would have liked if they, if they slow played it a little more. Like, for instance, instead of having Sky jump right in and join in the pilot, maybe have her tracking them for five or six episodes, you know, doing that journalist thing, being a pain in the butt, um, and letting us get more comfortable with how the S.H.I.E.L.D. team is going to work and how it's supposed to work and everybody's personality and their roles, etc., now you insert Sky, and it's more like, uh-oh, you know, she's screwing up the whole, or what's she up to? You know, she's not part of the team. Like, that would all make more sense if we had more time with the S.H.I.E.L.D. team. Yeah, no, I, 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 that's a good point. You know, like, her not being part of the team isn't really a big deal when you haven't been a team for 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Right, You'll, like, right. So... Anyway, hopefully it's straightening itself out on that front. I mean, she was less annoying, which is all we can ask for. I agree. Yes. So, I guess we can rate. I'm going to go, I think I gave the pilot a 4-2-5. So, I'm going to give this a 4-4-5. Leaving a little room for better shows, possibly, but definitely my favorite of the season. I am going to give it, I'm going to give it a little bit of a bump. I'll give it a, a full four and a half, 4.5 for me. Uh, there was just a lot to like in this episode. And I think Fitz just, just put it over the top. His, his comedic timing worked really well, uh, giving us a, a peek into the hub uh, in the greater shield organization. I think the actress they cast as Victoria hand did a pretty good job. Seeing Sitwell again was kind of a nice surprise. So, um, yeah, I, I, th- I think we're like I said, that's two in a row that are that are kind of exceeding expectations. So I think we're we're starting a good trend. Excellent. Uh, I'm going to do the summary for next week. I don't think it's it, it, it's not a spoiler at all anymore. They've been advertising the crap out of the Thor tie-in. Uh, doesn't mean you know Thor the character is going to be in it or anything. It's just uh, it's tying into the movie somehow. Um, in the aftermath of the events chronicled in the feature film Marvel's Thor The Dark World, Coulson and the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. pick up the pieces, one of which threatens to destroy a member of the team. So I better go out and see Thor this weekend because it keeps not uh, working out for me when I try. Um, so I think anybody that hasn't seen Thor, and it sounds like most people have seen Thor, seen Thor by the uh, money that it's made, but, uh, you know, if you're a fan of both, you might want to go see the movie before the next episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. I highly recommend it. I, if you like the first Thor movie, I think you'll like this one even better. Um, and if you're, I, I think it's, it's definitely an improvement over the first one. And I, I like the first one quite a bit. Um, so I, I highly, highly recommend it. Excellent. I look forward to it. So what we're going to do is our, we're going to do our little wrap-up, and then we're going to do a little possible spoiler section on the end for anything that some of you... Uh, might not want to hear. 
Uh, as always, you can check out all our podcasts on hhwlod.com. Uh, as Russ said earlier, the Real Heroes podcast is going to be doing their Thor The Dark World review. Or I should say they did it already. It will be posting soon and be available on the website or on iTunes, of course. Uh, our Twitter is at Shield Podcast. Again, we have that Facebook group, facebook.com slash Shield TV Podcast, where you can leave comments that uh, we'll read on the next show. And we have a new voicemail line, don't we, Russ? We do. Uh, the voicemail number is 972-798-3830. And uh, that is the newly formed voicemail for the HHW LED Podcast Network. So if you do leave a voicemail, just make sure you tell them you're leaving it for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and we will be more than happy to play that on any future episode that is relevant. Excellent. So that's it for this week. Uh, thanks for joining us. And if you don't want a possible plot of the future or spoiler, then uh, you might want to shut off now. So, Agent Victoria Hand. Uh, Russ, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure you read the Secret Invasion and and Dark Rain storylines that that followed. Yes, or some of. So the basic deal with Victoria Hand in the comics was that she was a um, she was an accountant for Shield. She was not a, a high level agent at all. But she had very strong opinions about how Agent Fury was running things. She thought he was running them poorly. So she wrote this uh, scathing letter to Director Fury explaining all of these points in great detail about how he was screwing things up and how they could be done more efficiently. And what happens is some bad stuff goes down. And somebody else takes over S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, it's actually Norman Osborn, who some of you might know as the main villain in uh, Spider-Man lore. And he finds out about the letter and then basically calls on her to be his right hand. No pun intended. So he knows that she's in with his cause because she hated Fury even before he was removed as director of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I don't think, like, all of that stuff's going to happen. Obviously, we won't be seeing Norman Osborn or anything like that. But it's interesting to me that they chose to use Victoria Hand. You know, maybe she'll be somebody that goes against Fury at some point. Or, you know, now that we see that S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of due into some shady operations... You know, maybe she's on one side of it and the rest of the team and Fury would be on the other side. Yeah, I, I really hope that they do more with her character than just have her be another high-level admin agent in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. That I hope they add some intrigue to her character. Yeah, she would definitely uh, be a welcome addition, you know, to the regular cast. I agree. All right. Thanks again, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Take care. 